Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Good morning and welcome to the show. I'm Jason Hewlett, sitting in for Jeff Andreas today and the rest of the week. It's Financial Literacy Month in Canada, which I'm sure you're as surprised about as I am. What is it? How does it work? And how will it help Canadians stay financially sound, particularly at this time of year? We have someone from FP Canada in later in the hour to discuss. The thermometer is dropping to mid-winter temperatures and it's only late November. What kind of pressure is this putting on the homeless and the social agencies that take care of them? The executive director of Away Home Kamloops joins me during the second half hour for an update. The city is engaged in a series of public consultation meetings ahead of setting its 2020 budget. And residents had a chance to weigh in last night. What was said, who's upset, and what are the next steps? Councillor Arjun Singh joins me in about 15 minutes to fill us in. But first, gender-based violence is an epidemic throughout communities all over the world. And from November 25th until December 10th, there's an international campaign called the 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence, which is meant to unite communities to end the violence directed at people because of their, their gender. In Kamloops, the Kamloops Sexual Assault Counseling Center and the local Elizabeth Fry Society host a panel discussion this Friday night to address gender-based violence in the workplace. Here to talk about that event and the 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence campaign is Barb Gladish, the Counseling Center's Executive Director. Thank you for joining me, Barb. Hi there, thanks for having me. Well, that's great. I really appreciate you coming on uh, for this. Now, what, what this campaign here is in response to the December 6th, 1989 shooting at the Ecole Polytechnique in Montreal, am I correct? Well, that, uh, the December 6th Day of Remembrance is definitely a part of the 16 Days of Activism. Um, and that was, uh, that was, that's December 6th event, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, this, of course, uh, this is when 14 women were executed because the shooter said he was fighting against feminism, mm-hmm. which is just a, you know, a shocking statement then and now, right? Like what, it's 30 years later and this crime still burned kind of into our public consciousness. Why do you think that is? Well, I think because there is um, still a lot of violence that occurs in in our communities and and in our country, um, and it's disproportionate um, against women, girls, and, and members of the LGBTQ2S plus folks. It is, and it's it's very rare you hear about violence sort of against men, isn't it? It does seem to be directed against almost it seems everybody else. Why do you think that is? Well, I do think that there is um, incidences of, of uh, violence against men as well. Um, it's just the proportion of it is, is directed towards um, uh, girls and women and and uh, uh, individuals in the LGBTQ2S plus uh, group. Um, why do I think that is? Well, I think that, you know, <laughs> our culture has something to do with that for mm-hmm. sure. Um Definitely the, I mean, it started with colonialism and patriarchy and all of those pieces as well. And it's been something that's been around, I think, as long as anyone can actually remember, um, unfortunately. And it seems to, before we kind of get into the 16 days and, and the event you guys have coming up on Friday, um, do you believe that it's sort of, do you think it's getting worse again, for lack of a better terminology? Or do you think it's kind of always been there the last 30 years since Polytechnique, it's just now there's more of a platform for people to kind of voice their opinions and beliefs. Yeah, I don't, I, I can't really speak to whether or not it's more prevalent today than it was 30 years ago. I definitely think that we're talking about it more, mm-hmm. which is great because it brings it to the attention of, of everyone, right? That this is an issue, an ongoing issue um, and concern for the safety of our community members. So I, 
I think the conversation is happening on a more frequent level or maybe a more public level. And there's sort of more of a platform to carry that out now with well, social, social media. media can yeah. definitely, sorry, social media can definitely um, increase that conversation and sort of connect people in a positive way to have an open, safe discussion, definitely. Well, the, I mean, a prime example would be the Me Too campaign. Yeah, the Me Too movement, yeah. Which came up. And now, do you think, like, when you hear, like, what happened with the Harvey Weinstein and, and you know, and Bill Cosby and, and even, like, Trump and his behavior, uh, um, do you think that kind of puts it more into the spotlight for people to have this conversation? I think it provides an opportunity to pe- for people to talk about it more openly. Um, and it, it, it can also, so drawing some public attention to it can really sort of um, uh, make, make connections to people who might not um, feel like they have, there are other people in similar situations. That's right. And these are men who are in, in positions of great power and notoriety mm-hmm. as well, right? Which kind of, I mean, I guess in one way it's good because it shows that it's there. Um, do you think, though, when, they, when other men who maybe feel this way see these people in positions of power, it might make them feel more empowered to behave yet that way? Ooh, well, I, I, I don't think I can speak accurately to that. <laughs> it's, I know that was like one of those... It would be unfair to make that assessment. <laughs> you no, know, no, it was, it was almost like a loaded question, but I just, yeah. I, I know that you hear, we've, we have heard that, you know, someone like, like Trump does that, and then you, other people almost like emanate that behavior, right? But that's, that's probably maybe a deeper conversation mm-hmm. uh, in another way. Um, one word you've used, like, this, this isn't just physical violence we're talking about between a partner or a man and a woman. There's something far deeper to it, and you've used the word inclusive in the past past, right? What is inclusive gender-based violence? Um, so gender-based violence in itself is really um, violence that's committed based on somebody's gender identity, gender expression, or perceived gender. Um, so it, it can, it can um, cover a wide scope of, of violence for sure. Um, Sorry, what, can you... The inclusive, <laughs> the inclusive part of it, yeah. What, what sort yeah. of, like, inter- what, what do you mean by inclusive, I guess? What, what, how would that work? Because there's different ways to interpret inclusive. Well, I think violence can impact um, everyone. Um, and when it comes to relationship violence or sexualized violence or gender-based violence, um, I mean, we're all speaking, we're speaking about um, acts of power and control from one person over another. Um, and whether it happened, uh, whether you've experienced it or I've experienced it, we may have known somebody who's experienced it. It, it reaches, it's far reaching into our community and it has an impact um, not only on the survivors of violence, but all community members. That's very true. And, and the outpouring of that as it affects, you know, other like, relatives, et cetera, children. Yep. Um, and it can create sort of a chain of events. Am I correct? It mm-hmm. continues. Yeah, it definitely has a ripple effect. Now, your agency and Elizabeth Fry have partnered up for an event on Friday night. What is that? What do you get with this panel yeah. discussion? Yeah, so we are uh, meeting at the St. Andrews on the Square at 5.30 on Friday, and we're having a panel discussion um, just to bring some attention to violence and safety in the workplace. So, um, really, we just have a couple of questions for our panel members. The public's invited. And, again, it's just part of that really wanting to... Um, uh, engage in a conversation about about workplace violence and safety. Is the workplace a very common place for this kind of behavior to go on? Um, so it does happen. And I, I think as with most, most violence, it, it's something that's probably not identified as often as it does occur. Um, 
I, I don't have any statistics on how often workplace harassment um, does occur, but I think there is definitely some room for some information sharing. Excellent. And, and so the public is, is encouraged to attend this event. Does, it, yeah. does, does anything else go on during these 16 days? Um, so there is, if, I mean, if you're on social media, there's lots of uh, ways of connecting with what other events are going on. Um, December 6th is always uh, a day, of, well, the day of remembrance, and I'm sure there's community events going on. This is the one that KSAC is, is being part of is this Friday, um, KSAC and E-Fry. So. Excellent. Why, why do you think men, or at least some men, are, are threatened by women and people from the LGBTQ community? Threatened? Yeah, why um, do you think, because there seems definitely to be a, a population of men that's threatened by, like, feminism and just sort of the right, you know, women sort of gaining more equality. Well, and I think, I think uh, feminism sometimes gets a, um, um, misunder is misunderstood, mm -hmm. right? We, we, feminists, in, in my opinion, are, are wanting equality amongst all people. So it doesn't necessarily, um, uh, only about is not necessarily only talking about equality for women and girls and 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 other folks. It, it's for all. And to make sure everybody. So I'm not sure why people are threatened by it. Um, it's uh, or if they even are. I I, I know I, I sometimes see it. You know, I'm amongst some males for sure, which is upsetting. And maybe it's just because it has been such a patriarchal society for so long, right? There's mm, certain people that don't want maybe. to give that up. Maybe I don't know. I don't know, or yeah. we just are threatened by things that are different, but it's definitely, I think it's a conversation, it's an important conversation, it's important to keep it out there, uh, and I'm mm -hmm. glad you guys are holding this event, and I hope it's really well attended. Yeah, me too. Thanks for, uh, thanks for bringing some attention to it publicly. You betcha. Now, once again, where is that on Friday, and what time? So, it's on Friday, November 29th, at 5.30 at St. Andrews on the Square. Perfect. Well, Barb, thanks so much for coming on and chatting with me this morning. Okay, thanks so much. That was Barb Gladish, Executive Director of the Kamloops Sexual Assault Counseling Centre. I'm Jason Hewlett, and I've got Counselor Arjun Singh joining me right after this. Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome back. Jason Hewlett here sitting in for Jeff this morning and the rest of the week. Residents gathered at the Sports Action Lounge at MacArthur Island Sports Centre last night to chime in on the city's provisional budget. The city has already approved an increase in sewer rates, which we'll see on average, about an extra $29 added to the utility bills in 2020. What else came up last night? Any hot-button issues when it comes to taxes and spending? Here to provide a recap of the evening and what people can expect moving forward is City Councillor Arjun Singh. Welcome back to the show, Arjun. Good morning, and thank you, uh, Jason Hewlett, my good friend. Yeah, it's good to see you, man. Yes. I feel like there's a whole... And there's Paul hanging out here, too. Paul here, working the board. No, he, has, yeah. he doesn't get to talk as much okay. as we would like. Okay. But, okay. Um, I'm really glad you could come in on this. I figured you'd be a great person to talk you to. You called me yesterday at 3 o'clock, so I'm right. very fortunate <laughs> that I actually could make it here. And I, oh, I forgot, it's a long story, but I'm, thank, I'm happy I'm here, too. Well, as am I, and you know how, how broadcasting works. Everything is the last minute, and it's the most important thing on the Sounds planet. Sounds like my life. Exactly. <laughs> so, Arjun, how did it go? last night uh, it went well I mean I was actually with a, a big Blazers game on yesterday it was it was uh, surprising to see how many people we had yesterday we had about 50 odd people show up I that's think pretty it, good. yeah and that's a you know when I uh, well we've had ones where like five people show up so we were we were pretty uh, I think happy about that there was a uh, a good presentation from our director of corporate services, we call her now, director of finance mm -hmm. uh, in the old days, uh, Kathy Humphrey, who does a great job with her staff in terms of 
putting together a presentation that uh, kind of outlines how money comes in, what, what it goes out to, yeah. what the added expenses might look like for uh, for this year. So that was good. And then people kind of, you know, gave us their thoughts. So that was good. What, now, is there, like, I know sometimes of these, I've been covering them in the Daily News. Sometimes there's, there's people just got a lot of things they're, oh, they're the mad Daily about. News, you may break in my heart. I know. Uh, <laughs> I park in the parking lot and I try to figure out where my desk was. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like stall four. Oh, and then like, uh, it's just, it's, it's sad. Oh, it's sad. How, uh, were, were there people that had a lot on their, their chest that they wanted to get off of? Because sometimes there's people that are really mad about something, or sometimes it's very quiet. Like, where did this yeah, one Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of a range. The first gentleman I talked to was was not happy that we didn't have all counsel up front there that he could kind of, like, direct, you know, missile questions towards us about various <laughs> things. But uh, uh, so he was, we had an animated discussion about the Art Center and, and why and why I think I need it and why, why I think we need it, I need yeah. it, why I think we need it. And why he was a little, he had some questions about various things around, uh, you know, if you're going to bring off debt, why don't you fix potholes kind of a thing. Oh, which and is the thing that always comes up every yeah, year, potholes. I think people, I think one thing to really um, sort of part, you know, share with folks is that, you know, there's diff- the city has a, whatever, $200 million, give or take budget, whatever yeah. it is. And there's all these different pots of money for various things, right? So because we do an art center, it doesn't mean we're not going to do potholes. Well, yeah. Um, and we, in fact, we do do potholes, but sometimes parts of town are waiting a bit for their turn. Uh, I know that over the years, we've, we've innovated quite a bit with pothole machines and <laughs> more money. And, and so, you know, with, with extreme weather being the way it is, sometimes that happens. Um, and then we got talking about, uh, well, potholes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and then we talked, some people were talking about, um, uh, Fire and police costs, which is... Uh, well, know, that's police, been in the news quite yeah, a bit lately. So police costs are um, an ever-increasing thing. We're obviously, we're going to increase officers, and we made a commitment a while ago to have a certain level of uh, officers in, in the de- de- detachment, and um, we're just sort of getting there now in terms of the actual staffing of, of the uh, RCMP. Um, you know, significantly, one of the questions that I, I've had and, and I brought up at council on Tuesday was, you know... Are, sometimes police are sent to calls where they're not the right resource, yeah. which are social issues calls typically. And so, is there, are there better resources which actually are more are more are better matched and cost less money and let the police do the actual really important stuff that the police should be doing? Fighting so, crime, you, yeah. you, know, you know, not that these other calls aren't important, but like you say, like you, you, an officer isn't trained always to deal with like a mental health situation, exactly, or, right? Hundred percent. Now, is there still Car Forty? Is that still yeah, Car Forty still there? And it's it's obviously a great Camelot's innovation, uh, and it, it they happens in not not too many other places in the province. I don't think they has have, have a Car Forty model. I might be wrong about that, but I know we were, we were one of the first, definitely, definitely. Um, and uh, so we have that, um, and. Uh, I guess back to the budget meeting, we were talking a little bit about, um, uh, well, you know, budget meetings are an opportunity to talk about a whole bunch of different things. So mm-hmm. obviously with with, uh, with traffic safety and pedestrian safety. Well, there's been uh, some high profile. Yeah, yeah uh, unfortunately, unfortunately. Very, very unfortunate. So um, there, was a, there was folks there who want to talk about that, and that was a great conversation. And obviously want to uh, keep on continuing to make Hamlet as safe as we can for people. And uh, to walk and to bike, and if we're going to ask people to get out of their cars more, mm-hmm. um, you know the, the the very tragic accident at the university. Um, you know, speaks to a whole bunch of things probably that'll come out. But one of the things people are are asking now is because TRU is growing with residential. Yeah. Uh, on both sides of McGill, um, you know, is there a possibility that that road 
kind of has to be less arterial and more sort of a residential kind of a sort of a, a feeling, right? Almost like a specialized road for, univ- like you see that at UBC, they have like University Way or whatever I think it's yeah. called, right? And, and uh, that's a good question because a lot of the people at TRU are across the street and a lot of amenities they use are right along that, yeah. that stretch of road, yeah. right? So, I mean, so that's all stuff we have to kind of look at and there's different ways within the city to do that. I wouldn't never want to give the impression that we don't look at it, but I think it just gives us a, uh, a, a more impetus, obviously, to keep, keep the pressure on around that. So did it surprise you that those were kind of the things that came? I mean, potholes come up every year, you know, but like the, it's traffic yeah. safety is a big one, pedestrian safety. Does that maybe to you show a shifting in, in mindset here? Like um, we're not just so regimented in our thing. Like the, the problems no, have I mean, changed. I, I think, I, think ha- I looked at the little posted board before I left last night that people were putting post-its on. And what was also interesting to me, it, it ebbs and flows every year. There's some, some, some same stuff and some stuff that's different. So I guess you know, a lot of stuff that's, that's different reflects on what's going on in the community in terms of events that have been happening. So that's obviously around the notion of, you know, the policing costs and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Those are things that are, you know, people are talking about a lot this year. One of the things that was, was always interesting to me is that people are suggesting, you know, what, what we could do less of. Okay. Because those budget meetings typically are, you know, people come with their wish list because they, they, they know that they can ask council for... X thing, and then you know we can maybe get it onto a list somewhere, maybe a year or two, it, it may become a reality. Um, but I think also, you know, to have a really holistic conversation around budget, one of the things that we always ask people for is, so what would you like to see us do less of? What would you, what would you, what would you, what would you so-called cut? You mm-hmm. know, I guess there's a cut. There's, um, some, there's always uh, a cut somewhere. <laughs> and uh, and so you know, I think people are getting a little bit more attuned to that conversation as well. Uh, not in a huge way, uh, but still enough that I think that that's a good sign that people are coming to those meetings now with less of a sort of a uh, you know a narrow approach, more of a kind of a broader approach. Yeah. So it's been a real evolution over the years, and I think it's, it was a really good meeting. That's good. That's good. I know we got less than a minute here, Arjun. Now there's another one coming up. I think it's going to be in February. I I think I read I, somewhere I, that yeah, maybe <laughs> I, I, I got to read that. But yeah, someone asked me. I got to find that out. But I will find that out, and it'll be on the city website. Uh, let's talk. Uh, Camus.ca yep. is a great folks people to go to actually engage with the budget as well. Uh, please let us know what you're thinking and uh, look forward to having that happen. Well, I know you've always been all about pu- uh, public consultation. I hate and that stuff. It's just horrible. Yeah, well, why people shouldn't I wanna, have a say. It's why, a democracy. Why, why would I want to talk to people as an elected person? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> makes makes no sense at all. Thanks for coming on, Arjun. It's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much, Jason. All right, that was Council City Councilor Arjun Singh. I'm Jason Hewlett, and we're back with a discussion of the weather and the homeless after this. Radio. The voice of your community. Radio NL 610 AM News Talk at RadioNL.com. Here's Jeff Andreas. Welcome back to the show. Jason Hewlett here sitting in for Jeff Andreas this week. It got down to minus 12 with wind chill last night and is expected to get even colder as the week goes on. And that's without wind chill, so it's going to get even worse. Countless doesn't usually see temperatures like this until late December or into January, and that puts a strain on the city's homeless populations and the agencies that care for them. What's it like out there in the streets during these cold days and nights, and what services are available? Does the homeless population accept this help? Here to discuss further is Catherine McParland, the Executive Director of Away Home Kamloops. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thanks so much for having me. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I know usually at this time of year you guys do your kind of overnight camp out. Mm-hmm. to bring raise awareness to what it's like to be homeless on the street to this time of year. But this is like going to be it's almost very timely this year because it's unusually cold and mm-hmm. people are going to get to experience that who normally don't, right? So when is that event happening? 
Yeah, so our campout is happening Friday, December 13th at 6 p.m. Okay. We are expecting colder weather than previous years, so I think it'll give our campers a realistic experience of what it's like to be without a home. And there's a number of, like, I guess what is, here's a backing up a titch here. What is the pop, homeless population in Kamloops right now? Do you know? Do you have sort of numbers? Yeah, so Way Home Kamloops was one of the first communities in all of Canada to conduct a youth-specific homelessness count. Mm-hmm. In 2018, 136 youth identified that they had experienced homelessness in the past year. Wow. Yeah, and 86 of those kids said they were homeless May 8th to 10th. That's that sounds like a high number. I mean, I know in, given the population of around ninety thousand, it doesn't seem like a lot, but that's like does seem like too many people, like especially youth, mm-hmm. in, in a situation like that. What? Why? <laughs> like, what is sort of the reasoning behind it? I mean, we know of the addiction issues. Mm-hmm. Just it's expensive to live in Kamloops, right? But mm-hmm. it, what is causing so many end yeah, up on the street? So there's so many different reasons that young people may become homeless. A lot of youth are fleeing abuse or unsafe home environments. Mm -hmm. Homelessness is not a choice. Often we think it is. But youth, if they are choosing the streets, they're fleeing something that is a whole lot worse. And believe me, no one chooses the trauma that you can experience on the streets. No, not at all. Not at all. And it's hard enough, I'm sure, when the weather's nice, you know, mm-hmm. and you can be out there. So what, what's going on right now? Like, what, did this take, catch you guys by surprise, this weather? Definitely. We know that the cold weather increases the risk for young people that are sleeping in public spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, so our team is working really hard. We're going to be opening a new resource in Kamloops on December 9th. Yep. Um, so it'll be our safe suites program that we've been working towards for the last five years that okay. our communities really helped create. Okay. Um, what, what, I guess, first off here, what, what services are available right now with the cold, with what's mm-hmm. going on? Like what has been open? You work with other agencies, I'm sure, to try to make sure there's enough spaces for everybody? Definitely. We work really closely with 15 different nonprofits. Um, we know the YWCA shelter. Um, they do amazing work in our community and providing shelter. Um, so it takes a community to really come together mm-hmm. and looking at some of the issues that are happening in Kelowna, I really feel it's important to have everybody from all sectors working together to prevent and end youth homelessness. Well, and that, there's, that's a whole other, like, there seems to be a lot that's bringing attention to the situation because there, there's Leon Street in, in Kelowna where they actually, there was a tent city on the mm-hmm. sidewalk and the city just went and moved it to, I guess, North Kelowna where it was a better place for them i don't know or like less visible or what 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 does that say when you actually get something like a tent city because i mean uh, paul handed me a fact here that uh, basically for every home every homeless person you see there's about 10 you don't mm-hmm. right who don't report it's very hidden very hidden but it's becoming more visible with things like on leon street with the mm-hmm. tent city um is that a sign of the times is that an indicate in, indicative of how bad the situation is? I think it shows the desperation and the urgency to respond. Mm -hmm. Um, This morning I reviewed an article that was um, written by a pastor in Kelowna and it really broke my heart. He was speaking to the incidents on Leon Street and just saying that these people needed to be clean and sober and um, pick up their bootstraps, for lack of a better <laughs> word, and find employment. That always makes me mad when I hear people say, it's not that easy, otherwise people would it's do it. It's not. And he actually used a biblical reference around um, Jesus and the lame person and that person having to want to be healed. Um, so I did some research this morning, okay. reviewed my Bible. 
And it <laughs> looked that Jesus at that point in time, there was a lot of people that were cast to the margins of society. They were considered unclean, diseased. And Jesus went out of his way to go into the garbage dumps and connect with these people and touch them. These are humans that had never felt human touch in years. Mm-hmm. And so I think... For people from all of us that have these nice warm homes here in Kamloops and in Kelowna, we really need to look at the most marginalized people that are without a home this Christmas. People are not choosing to be homeless. Substance use is often a coping strategy for living on the streets. Um, I heard a young person say, it makes the concrete more softer and the cold a little warmer. It's a coping thing. We strongly believe in housing first, which is providing young people with housing, they can come the way they are. And we know that when people have that safe, stable roof over their heads, they're gonna wanna do better. They're gonna start addressing those issues, but it all begins with housing first. And that takes um, coordination between the province, local communities and municipal government. And so I think looking at the issues that are happening on Leon Street, I'd really encourage the community of Kelowna to come together and help create that housing for those people that are just suffering in this cold time of year. Well, quite quite often uh, the solution is you just want to move the problem somewhere else where you don't have to look at it, Mm -hmm. right? But that isn't going to solve it. And I think, I don't know, do you think homelessness, we're getting a bit off topic here, but is it it something that can ever be solved? Do you think it'll always be with us? Because there's people who choose that. They'd rather just live outside. Like even weather like this, um, when there's a shelter, there's some that just prefer not to go into the shelter, they'd just rather stay outside and be cold, right? Mm-hmm. So do you think it's a problem that we can solve or is it something that's going to be with us as a society forever, do you think? Yeah, I think it's um, an issue that could be resolved, um, but I think there'll be always ongoing um, issues which really speaks to the need for prevention mm-hmm. and really investing in youth. A lot of homeless adults say their first experience of homelessness began as a young person. We know the longer a youth is on the streets, the more trauma and victimization they experience. So there's a real need for us as communities to intervene quickly and ensure the experience of homelessness is brief and rare and move people out into housing so that they are significantly reduced from experiencing homelessness. And that would prevent a lot of tent cities by providing people with housing and preventing the problem from ever happening. And we are seeing uh, people sort of step up in the community and they're building lower income homes a lot more. Even if they're like a 300 by 300 little space, it's better than being in a cardboard box on the street. But even then a lot of these places, like they're not rentals, they're, you got to own it. And you're still looking at like 200 grand for a small place, which still keeps it out of reach, right? In Vancouver, in the east side, there's low income housing for people that earn less than $80,000 a year, which means I would be in low income housing. Mm. which it just still seems like mm-hmm. they're trying to help, but there's just this disconnect between you know what is needed and how people can achieve that. For sure. And we know somebody on basic income assistance, they receive 475 a mm-hmm. month for shelter, and that's unheard of that's being nothing. able to secure that. Yeah. Um, Away Home Camloops partners with the business sector, and we have different businesses that will actually sponsor a use rental subsidy for a year period. So we have Subway Home, Home Depot Home, mm-hmm. And that really provides a solid foundation. So youth move into the housing, they have that safety, it's affordable. And then we work with them as a team to connect them to education or employment. And these youth move forward and they give back to our communities through volunteerism. And it all begins with housing first. Mm -hmm. 
With this cold weather, um, what's available? What overnight shelters are open right now? Do you know? Are you aware of what's available, say, just to get through this next week? Because it's going to be like this for a week. Mm -hmm. Where can people turn to just to find shelter from the cold right now? Definitely. So um, the Canadian Mental Health Association mm -hmm. um, has our shelter um, here in Kamloops. So it's definitely a great place for people to go that are looking to stay warm. Um, the YWCA does incredible work as well. Um, Away Home Cam Loops, our Safe Suites program, is really reimagining the emergency response to youth homelessness. Mm -hmm. Often the emergency response is time limited. And so with our program, youth can move in and they're provided that housing um, no matter what. And there's not a time limit so that they can take the time they need to become well stabilize and give back to community and achieve those critical developmental milestones. That's right, which which is needed. You need that first step and it's got to be mm -hmm. successful. And then the second step's got to be successful. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't take much to knock you back down that ladder. Um, I know too that there's talk, like, you know, there's always talk about, well, we've got overnight shelters open and when it's cold, but there's very few day places for people to go, isn't there? Like just to find, I know uh, Mustard Seed has their day mm -hmm. room, but is that pretty much it to find shelter during the day? Yeah, there's so? different organizations. Um, for example, Away Home Cam Loops, we have our youth services hub. Mm -hmm. So youth can pop in, have a nice warm meal, connect to community referrals and sources. Um, so there's different organizations that definitely have their doors open, um, but there's a need for more. Um, and I really want to um, commend the amazing work that Ask Wellness has done in yeah. our community and being able to create housing. I think that's part of the reason we haven't really seen a real surge here of tent cities is our community has really been responsive in creating housing options for those people that are without a home. Do you think uh, the disenfranchised population has grown in recent years? Like it certainly, in a way, seems more visible, at least downtown, mm -hmm. right? Do you think it's it's more people are coming here because of the services, maybe, or? Um, it's hard to say. Like I know in our youth homelessness count, twenty five percent of respondents identified they had moved to Camlips in the past year. Mm -hmm. Our youth count committee were curious if the wildfires had an impact to do with that. And I believe, remember, in twenty seventeen, mm -hmm. everybody had to come to Camlips, right? And it definitely seemed after that that many stayed. For sure, and some of our anecdotal stories from community service providers is that could have been an impact as well. But we also know that a lot of these smaller communities, they are also impacted by the housing crisis. Mm -hmm. They may not have social housing or services. And so um, sometimes people are really looking to have that support. And the Kamloops community is incredible in providing that wraparound support. Well, I know you, you hear about it. Um, like when, when uh, Mustard Seed has its Thanksgiving lunch, mm -hmm. like and they put a call out for things, people bring them, you know, they, if they need more coffee or blankets, people bring them, right? Are you finding that as well? That if you mm -hmm. say, we need, you know, people right now, they need blankets and toques and stuff. Do people bring that to you? Mm -hmm. The community has just been incredible. Um, when we look at our camp out to end youth homelessness, it's just everybody from all sectors that are looking at beyond just sort of um, band-aid solutions, but looking at how do we move people out of homelessness and provide them with housing so that they can move forward with their lives. I think we need a continuum of services, mm -hmm. including alleviating the pain when people are on the streets but also providing those solutions so that young people can move out of homelessness and start to follow their dreams. So once again, when is the camp out? It's Friday, December 13th. Mm -hmm. It's at McDonald Park. We have about 30 people signed up and we really encourage the community to come behind us because this is going to directly take people off the streets 
provide them with safe housing. And I promise you, they will give back to our community. Awesome. Where can people find out more? On our website at www.awayhomecamloops.com. Perfect. Well, Catherine, thanks so much for coming on and talking about this this morning. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. That was Away Home Kamloops Executive Director, Kathleen McParland. I'm Jason Hewlett, and it's Financial Literacy Month. What is that, and how will it help you? We'll find out after this. Your opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. Jason Hewlett here taking over for Jeff Andreas today and tomorrow. Throughout November, Canadians are encouraged to take charge of their finances by making a budget, having savings and debt reduction plan, and understanding their financial rights and responsibilities. That's right, it's Financial Literacy Month, and here to fill us in on how it can benefit you and me is Kelly Keane, personal financial educator and consumer ad- advocate for FP Canada. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Uh, good morning, Jason. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming, coming on. Now, I didn't know that Financial Literacy Month was a thing. What is financial literacy and why is it important? really is a thing. Is. And last week was Financial Planning Week. So what the month is, is the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada. This is the uh, body that regulates the banks. They want Canadians to be financially literate. Now, that's one step. It's very important to know the basics of should you pay down your debt? What is a budget? Should you go into an RSP or a TFSA? But the next step of like, you know, really engaging your well-being I think, of course, I'm with FP Canada. This is the nonprofit organization that uh, regulates uh, financial planners in Canada. I think that next step is really engaging with a professional because while it's important, let's say if you, you know, broke your knee tomorrow that you want to know about knee surgery, you really need that skilled surgeon, so someone like a certified financial planner. So it's important this month that you're understanding your credit, your debt, um, who is somebody that you can reach out to, and then we want you to know what the basics are as well. Well, I guess one of, one of the key things that is, I noticed when I was going through your guys' site is it's good to start with a budget, right? Planning a budget, and what's the best way then to draft a budget and come up with that plan? Okay, so I'm of two minds when it comes to budgeting. I'm <laughs> going to put on my author hat okay. because for years I've been saying that for a lot of Canadians, I don't think budgets work. I think they're like diets, they're restrictive, um, they're complicated. For the people that are listening that have a budget, that's great. I want you to continue doing ignore the next couple of seconds of what I'm going to say. <laughs> but for the rest of us, and myself included, I find it really difficult. So what's my antidote to that? It's what's called my 30-day anti-budget. I ask my readers to do this. I make myself and my husband do this twice a year. It's really simple. You just track all of your spending for 30 days. So you don't have to do it forever. Um, Just like tracking your your calories, right? You're tracking your financial calories. If you bank with one bank, use one debit card and one credit card, your bank is going to do a lot of that for you. But I still want you to be a bit of a detective. I want you to dig in. Um, You know, how many subscriptions do you have? I know I've got lots of them right now. What are you paying for your home and auto insurance? Maybe reviewing your cell phone, your cable plan, like really digging in. Then at the end of 30 days, I want you and your family to sit down and look at the categories. Are there any places that you're wasting money? So it's not, uh, it's not judgment. It's not finger wagging. It's about choice and awareness. But I find every single time I do this with my husband, we've got subscriptions we're not using, maybe too much bottled water. I had a friend who's actually quite wealthy do this exercise. He didn't need to do it. 
and he found that he was spending $3,200 on Diet Coke every single year. That's a lot. He bought himself a $200 soda stream, you know, so... You, you look at the categories, then you times it by 12 and go, wow, what are you actually spending per year? And for almost everyone that does it, they say it's a huge eye-opener. Uh, it's an exercise in awareness and behavior change. And then you can actually, you know, see where you can trim the fat and where that money could go to savings, could go to paying down debt, or could even go to funding a, a great vacation that you didn't realize you actually could afford. Well, I know there was a time when I was a four or five coffee a day kind of person and I'd go buy it. And it, it's amazing. That adds up over like a week even, right? Two bucks of coffee, Absolutely. 16 bucks a day, you know, do the math. It becomes very expensive. Yeah. And if it's eating out and again, no finger wagging, if you love your coffee and that's your thing by all means, but we just want you to be aware. Did you know that you're spending that much on coffee and kind of figuring out, you know, you only, you have a finite amount of money every month. Where is it going? And retailers are counting, especially this time of year, mm-hmm. on us just going, well, it's only $5 a day. It's only $100 a month. I know. But then what does that add up to? So um, it actually, dare I say, can be fun. People report that they're just more mindful of their money. Again, you don't have to do this every day of your life. Do it for 30 days, twice a year, and I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. And Unfortunately, we've got less than two minutes to go here, Kelly, but what... What are some good resources people should turn to to better educate themselves when it comes to managing their finances? Yeah, there's some really good ones. So if you go, if you just Google the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada, I know it's kind of long, mm-hmm. FCAC uh, calculators, you're going to find, so again, this is government third party, you're going to find so many great calculators there of, you know, um, if you only paid $5 more on your credit card, how much sooner could you be rid of that debt? I, I know you're in BC, but actually the Ontario Securities Commission has a really great website too. It's called getsmarteraboutmoney.ca. And they've got tons of calculators and resources there. Um, the organization I'm with, FP Canada, we have a great website, financialplanningforcanadians.ca. You're going to find hundreds of articles and videos there. But what you're most importantly going to find is an article and a video on the questions to ask before you engage with a financial planner or a financial advisor. Because like I said, that's kind of that missing link that mm-hmm. galvanizes Canadians to realize their dreams. I don't know about you, Jason, but I know when I engage with a personal trainer, I work out a lot harder. Yes. Uh, and I think that when people reach out to a pro, um, they, they find that not only do they help them realize their goals, but also blind spots that they didn't realize, like tax credits and government grants and things of that sort, free money being left on the table. Perfect. Well, Kelly, thanks so much for coming on. I wish we had more time, but I really appreciate you, you chatting to me this morning. Okay, thanks, Jason. Thank you. That was Kelly Keene, personal financial educator and consumer advocate for FP Canada. That pretty much wraps things up for today. Thanks to Jeff for letting me sit in and Paul for producing this morning. I'm Jason Hewlett. Thank you all for listening. Have an excellent day, and we'll chat again tomorrow.